Chicago is more than great food, iconic sports, legendary music, and crooked politicians. It's a community of people who, at their core, care about one another and their city. We're chatting with new and native Chicagoans about all things local on The Chicagoan Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce. Welcome to The Chicagoan Podcast. Today I'm joined by Shamila Woods, author, leader, and speaker. Shamila, thank you for being here. Hi, Tony. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. No, likewise. Uh, what an incredible conversation we've had so far, you know, and uh, getting deep a little bit. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely a connection. Definitely um, enjoy talking to you. I love when people enhance my conversational palette. So um, I, I'm a very open-minded person, so I like just learning about new things and people. So I appreciate our conversation. Likewise, likewise. No, I think we definitely connected on values that we will have to pick up that conversation. Absolutely. <laughs> another time, another time. Um, but jumping right into it, tell me about where you grew up. Um, you know, which side of Chicago? I'm definitely from the west side. Absolutely, where we eat Uncle Remus and not Harold's. It's a south side <laughs> battle. Um, but I'm from the west side of Chicago. Grew up um, on the west side. Moved all around the west side all my life. Attended and graduated from Chicago public schools. Um, taught at Chicago public schools. And currently, I'm a principal at a charter school now. So all of my life, I've been on the west side of Chicago, in Chicago, and grew up around here. That's awesome. And we found out that uh, you went to the same high school as uh, some of my family. Absolutely. So uh, Shout out to the Tav Eagles. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> what uh, drew you to education uh, from you know where you're at right now, being an active principal? So growing up, I um, wanted to be either a teacher or a lawyer. So when I got nice. to college, I actually um, said I was going to be a psychologist. I went, took some psychology classes, and failed them. I was like, not for me. So my family is a family of educators. My grandfather is a retired principal. My oh, mom no is in special ed. Yeah, so my family is a family of educators and so I tried to stay away from that because I didn't want that. Yeah. But being in college and knowing, um, working with kids, I worked for Chicago Park District for over 10 years. So I was like, I'm just going to become a teacher. That's what I'm going to do. So yeah. I went to school to become a teacher, but then when I graduated, I decided that because um, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm a first generation college grad, but in the household that raised me, I was raised by five dynamic women. In the household that raised me, I am a first generation person who graduated nice. from college. Um, for there, so and I have little cousins that we all grew up like brothers and sisters. So my goal was to be a role model, and so I said I wanted to graduate from college and teach where I grew up, so that kids that look like me can see me and say, "Hey, she did it, and so can I." So that was my main goal of coming back to Chicago and teach right where, you know, I grew up my first school. I walked to school with the kids, you know, my cousins went there, my brothers went there. So I was like, I love standing in that neighborhood with the kids. So like their teacher lived in the neighborhood. So um, that was one of my reasons for going into education. And, you know, just my grandfather being a role model um, in my life, just, you know, following behind his footsteps as well, too. That's incredible. I mean, what an aspiration for a young woman, you know, a young girl, right? That you were a kid back then and to know that and to have that in your heart is pretty awesome. Where did your family come from? What, like, how far back does your history go uh, in Chicago? Oh, wow. So um, my grandfather actually came from like Mississippi and he okay. came over um, here to Chicago. Uh, my mom grew up here in Chicago. My parent, uh, my grandparents actually had her had her when they were fourteen, so they were teenage parents. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Sounds like my grandparents. Yeah, and they um, they you know raised her right here in Chicago. So everyone that I know of is from you know from Chicago, and either came from like the south 
growing up like my grandmother and grandfather um, for that. But as far as like, and it's maternal. Um, but as far as like, that's far as my history goes for that, which is so unfortunate because you really want to know like where your, you know, your people come from. But my grandfather is still alive and he does tell the stories about, you know, him coming on the train here and, you know, he was adopted and finding his birth parents. So just learning all about that and learning the culture behind his grandfather, my great grandfather being Indian, my great grandmother being Irish, you know, just learning all that like, history. Uh, Indian, like from India? Or? Yeah. Wow. Like he, when I first met him, I was like, his eyes were the color of the ocean. And I was just wow. like, and his, his um, skin was like a dark, deep clay. Interesting. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, he looks so weird. Like, it's striking, right? It was very striking. Um, but just to learn, like my parents, you know, my grandfather found his birth parents. So that was, you know, interesting to learn that. So I did, I was able to meet them. Wow. So I was able to meet them um, before they passed away. So that is really cool. Yeah. Um, I asked this because I kind of the same thing, you know, both my uh, grandparents, my mom's uh, parents were orphaned very young. So we legit have no idea. Like I have no idea beyond mm-hmm. my grandparents, anything, you know, uh, my dad's had a little more, but really just great grandparents. And that's kind of the extent of it. Don't yeah, know anything yeah, beyond that. Yeah. It's always curious, you know, with people for you. One of the things that you had mentioned was going to school up north and, and the culture mm-hmm. shock, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, the culture shock that went along with that. I was hoping you could uh, share a little bit about that experience, just considering, you know, the one thing that we hear a lot in Chicago is the segregation the, the uh, of, of just neighborhoods right and of all that tell me about that experience absolutely so i grew up um at that time when i was in grammar school i was attending brian piccolo which is right on on the west side and my mom was like it's time for you to see a do a new environment so in seventh grade she shifted me to a school up north called hannon g solomon a very small school one grade level per grade and when i got there it was like i went from 95 percent black to about two. So it was very um, shocking to me to see like different people from different cultures. Like I learned about who Assyrians are, you know, I learned about Muslims and, you know, Arabics and, you know, why they wear the hijabs. And like, uh, mind you, I'm in seventh grade, you know, learning about these things. And I, I'm not, I wasn't that kid that was like afraid of it. Like I would ask questions and, you know, I would make relationships, but I was just like, wow, I've never seen any of this because I'm from the West side of Chicago and I've only seen black and Hispanic kids, you know, and back then Hispanic kids were very few as well too. So I really didn't know anything about Hispanic kids as well either. My first boyfriend in grammar school was a Mexican. (laughs) Just dove right into that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We're gonna do this all the way. <laughs> absolutely, um, and in the Syrian. So I was just really <laughs> multicultural. <laughs> I was really experimenting. Like, oh wow, you know, these are different people. Like, I did not have any issues. Like, with... like it's so funny. You're not even talking about cuisines. I went to this. I was like, you know, I just started dating. That was, that was dating multicultural. <laughs> absolutely, you know, I was like, this is what's up, you know. But you know, just learning about learning about all that. But you know, the struggle was being black doing in that situation. For sure. Like um I struggle with some of the other black girls um in the class like cuz I was very open so like interesting. I was very open. I did talk to everybody. I didn't I don't have a problem with being your friend and your friend right. because of race. So I did talk to everybody and yes, I came in dating everybody. So you know, I was just like, <laughs> yes, I am it. You know, I am that girl. You're the exotic girl, right? right? You know, yeah, just yeah. the new girl, yeah. you know. You know, no 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 bragging, but I was a little <laughs> smart, you know. I was in 
and you know, the only black girl in the the honors English class in eighth grade. So you know, I thought I was came up there doing that. So maybe a little jealousy. You know, you know, a little jealousy. But you know, it was it was definitely. Um, and we had a multicultural night, and I made my mom go, and that's when we started tasting all the foods. Nice. Like, yeah. Nice. So you within know, within the school, you're saying you had that. Yeah, nice, we had nice. it like, and I was like, oh, this is always fun. Yes, that was my first one. So like we table set up with flags and stuff. With flags and you know food tasting and, food yeah. from you know Indian food yeah. and curry. I was like, oh yeah. wow, you know, <laughs> you know the um, panchkis. I was like, oh wow, these are you know just you know learning about all that different stuff. But it definitely prepared me for high school. Yeah. Um, when I went to high school, because Taft was very very diverse. Mm. Um, for there, but ironically, again, you know. I still only hung out with the black kids at TAF, but, you know, I was, you know, sometimes the only black girl in some classes at TAF as well, too. Over It was two of us there. Um, very segregated within the school, like very yeah, segregated yeah. Um, within the school. We um, were talking about that, too, even just how when you went to college, kind of the same yeah, thing, Yeah, the right? same thing the- happened. I went to a PWI, Bradley University. <laughs> um, I went to a PWI and boom, here I am 20 years later, no white friends. Like what has wow. happened over the years? And I like, I reflect on that, like, you know, as to why, you know, am I like that? You know, I grew up very, very um, pro-black. My, I always tell people my mom was like Harriet Tubman in the house, you know, like <laughs> black history, you know, we were in church all the time. You know, we had the black history programs. I think Harriet Tubman is my favorite character because I've like played her every single year in the black history program. So, and I think, especially when I was at Bradley, we, um, we were always fighting for, you know, black rights or, you know, something racial happening, you know, on campus there. So I think that's also, we also stuck together because it wasn't that many of us to make sure a, that we were successful and that we didn't, you know, we supported each other. So I think that was the other thing that really helped or hindered, I'm not sure, yeah. about my relationships at Bradley is that we all stuck together. Right. The 20 of us, as my husband would say, that was there. Yeah. We all stuck together um, there to support each other, to ensure that we were successful because we wanted everyone to graduate as well, too. You know, don't, don't come here and drop out because, you know, don't be the black kid that dropped out. You know, we want everyone to graduate. So, But how did that change, or not maybe not change, but shape your perspective in terms of um, even all those things you acknowledge that being the, the multicultural aspect of things and being able to connect outside of your race and you know, it's, it's going outside the boundaries of that segregation, how have you evolved from that to really shape that into you know, be, being a principal, a leader, author, speaker? How does that, how is that part of your narrative now? So one thing that I've learned in being black and learning how to, I, you know, deal with different people is, A, I remain who I am. I stand grounded in who I am and where I'm from. But I understand and I am, I empathize with, different races. For example, I was an assistant principal at Acero Charter Schools for eight years, majority Hispanic kids. My first encounters with learning about second generation Mexicans, first generation Mexicans, families that didn't speak English, just learning their history. So what I did there, what really um, helped me was that I didn't change who I was, but I immersed myself in the Hispanic culture, learning about them, learning about different holidays that they celebrate, learning about how they operate as a, a unit, just like how black people operate as a unit, how they operate as a unit so that I was more understanding and could be a better leader and communicate better with people and be personable to yeah, parents, yeah. you know, to make sure that they know that I understand. Not that I said that I, I am Mexican or I'm Hispanic. No, not even. But 
I've learned about what you all have been through. I've learned your history. I've learned a little things about your culture and things that happen in your culture so that I can be more relatable to you for, um, sure. for that. Um, as, as just well as my white teachers, what I've done with my white teachers in the past is just like kept it real with them. We work with black and brown students. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to understand. And this is how you need to move in, you know, in that making sure that you are culturally responsive to things. And this is how you do that. So just learning how to be around different people just helped me to be open-minded and not put myself in the box just to being black and just knowing what I know, but just being open to everyone else. Cause I have to be, cause I'm a leader, you know, I'm a principal. So I deal with many different people. Um, I'm an author, so I want to make sure I touch everybody, not just one community, but just everybody. Cause although we all may think we are different, we all have some similarities as well too. A hundred percent. And from that, the teaching aspect of things. I mean, that's a huge part of everything you do. As a leader, you're always teaching. Mm-hmm. But um, tell me about your book. So my first book, um, Hey Girl, Say It With Me, hashtag I Know My Worth, was um, developed because, for a few reasons. Um, after I had my first daughter, I was distraught. Um, and I was like completely distraught. I thought my life was over, not because I hired her, but because of the situation that happened. And I was just like, oh, this is crazy. And you also, I mean, you were saying you were clinically depressed. Oh my I mean, God, I was clinically depressed. Yeah, I like... was like so sad. I thought, my, you know, this is not the way I wanted my life to be. But, sure. you know, um, so it started from there. I always tell people I had a Sierra moment. I got in the car, I looked in the mirror. You know, Sierra found her Russell. And I looked in the mirror. I was like, look. You deserve more. You know your worth. So I like, kind of like like started there, and then I started working. <laughs> You're hilarious. <laughs> I started working with middle school girls, um, and I was like, these girls definitely like need some, you know, words. And I remember that words was what helped me to get over my depression. Mm. Um, words is what helped me to push through the barriers and get to break down that wall of depression that I had. Like I just decided like, this is it. I don't want to feel like this. I want to live and I want to be happy. So I just started like saying affirmations to myself every single day, walking down the hallway. I started quoting Bible scriptures to myself every day. So seeing that these middle school girls were suffering from depression and things like that, I wrote a book and I use real people that I thought related to the, the, um, saying in the book, for example, um, I am free. I have a girl, um, one of my my one white friend that I um, have in there that she is jumping up and down. One, you're one white Yeah, friend. yeah. You know, and, uh, I have I more now. That. I think I have a few more now. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, but um, she's like jumping up and down and, you know, she's free and she had been sober for a long time. So she's like, I'm free. So I was proud of her for that. So um, I, I wrote a book. I call it a quick read. Girls can read it in the morning, in the evening, really quickly. Um, from that book, I've de- also developed what we call a healing and restoration circle for girls as well, too. Wow. Well, it's a six-week program where we go through the book, <clears throat> and there's also a workbook that we go through. We talk about self-enlightenment, self-encouragement, self-worth, um, self-education, and we just talk about how to heal from the inside out because healing starts inside you. No yeah. one can heal you. Healing starts from the inside. You have to heal from the inside out. So how can you heal yourself for that? So, and so we work through, um, setting goals, talking about attitude, I mean, things like that. So that's what, um, my first book was, it was a quick read. I'm actually working on my second book. My husband just been getting on me like, dude, (laughs) it's been so long. You can't be long like that. You're like not coming out with it. So, um, and this one is just, um, 
Hashtag I know my worth. Now what? So after you've done the affirmations, what are you, what are your next steps for that? So it is move how to be a resilient person. So um, I believe that I'm a resilient leader. Um, that's a whole nother story for another day. But I believe that I was I'm a resilient leader. I've been through a whole lot in my career to get to where I am today um, for that. So and just being resilient and learning how to bounce back and just not stay down is something that's really important to me, especially when it comes to mental health, because I feel like. People are not able to bounce back because they don't know how to bounce back or they don't think they can bounce back. And I tell people, you can come back from absolutely anything. Like, it's not that bad. Like, it's not, it's okay. Like, you're not going to die. It may be embarrassing. It may hurt. But it's only temporary. Like, you have to be able to to bounce back. So, hopefully, um, I'll be done with that book soon. Well, it seems like it's uh, it's very needed. Obviously, a lot of people are going through their own stuff, uh, yeah. you know, post pandemic. Yes, and, absolutely. You know, a lot of changes. What advice would you uh, give people in that uh, regard? Where, you know, they might have find them might right now themselves in a place where you were, where you know, that clinical depression, that, that feeling like the world is caving in on you. What advice would you give to get out of that to begin that process of healing before they even get to, you know, picking up the book or yeah, you know, yeah. fun, reaching out to somebody if they're stuck in that place? What advice uh, do you give? I always tell people, you can go there, but don't stay there. Feel it and let it go. Um, I like that. Yeah, feel it and let it go. Make a decision. That was the first, that is the first step to doing anything, mindset. Make a decision. Once you make a decision that I want to live, I want to be better, your next steps will come right to you. You have to stay on the move. You can't be still. If you stay in that dark room in a dark place, you're going to forever, you know, be there. So first step is to make a decision. Shift your mindset. How do you shift your mindset? You have to have daily routines. You have to um, get surround people around you that are going to uplift you, not take you down. So that may mean cutting off some people. You know, positivity around you is key when it comes to, you know, shifting your mindset. People that are going to push you and challenge you, but also when you fall, help pick you back up to keep you going as well, too. And it's not going to be easy. You're going to fall. Learn from those failures. Lessons are blessings because you learn something. Learn from those failures. Keep moving. Overcome the obstacles. They're going to happen, but you have to stay on the move. So shift your mindset. Make a decision that you want to live and decide what does that look like for you. When I was going through depression, I just wanted to feel happy. That was I was at the step like I just want to feel different. Yeah. I don't want to feel the sadness anymore. So what can I do for that? So I, I've been grounded in religion. So that's where I went. And no matter where I started, no matter if it was right or wrong, that's where I went. No matter if that what I was listening to was right or wrong, I was in Bible class on Wednesday. <laughs> like, somebody's going to tell me something. Somebody's going to help me do something. here. He's going to say something that's going to help me, and I'm going to be able to get through this. So, um, And I would, you know, sit in my room and just be like, okay, God, I want to feel better. What do I need to do? You know, you know, things like that. And just, you know, I just started saying, you know, those affirmations to myself. I'm better. I feel it. I'm better. You know, I can do this. Um, I want to be happy. You know, the joy that was given to me is not, you know, was given to me by the world. It's given to me by God because can't nobody take it away. So if you believe that, if you believe that the joy was given to you by then, then you will have joy. So I would say shift your mindset is the first step and make a decision that you want to be happy and that you want to live and then find your why. Find your purpose of why you want to live and why you want to be better.
I love that. I mean, <laughs> great advice. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and impassioned, too. I love that. So beyond the book and, and your husband, you know, pushing you to, to finish it, what's next for you? What's the vision for you, you know, the, your life? Oh, man. You know, Tony, one of my, so I have a, and this is one of my problems. I have like a thousand things that I want to do. I like to need to narrow down. But like, one of my biggest dreams is to like be on a stage and just speak, just like talk, you know, like I want to be the next Les Brown. There you go. You know, Tony Robbins, you know, I listen to them like every day, like, oh man, I can do that. You know, like, I don't know the how yet, but yeah, I can do that. Like, you know, I have the words, you know, I have the story. Um, Like TEDx is definitely like on my list. Like I go to, um, my husband made me sign up for like Toastmasters. So I'm like in Toastmasters class, but you know, I love speaking. I absolutely love speaking and motivating people. Like that is my, my jam. Like I want you, 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 I want everybody to win. I want everybody to be the best. So, you know, how can we get that together? You know, how can we, I help you get there? What does that look like? You know, that is my ultimate goal is just to, you know, be uh, an amazing speaker. And once I'm done with principalship, I would love to help other principals build their climate and culture. I think one of my um, areas of strength in being a leader is building a dynamic climate and culture in the school, a positive climate and culture where I empower teachers to thrive. And so that's the other thing that I would love to help others learn how to do that so that they are having thriving teachers in their in their schools as well, too. So I love that. And it's needed. I mean, the education system is... Uh it's definitely in a place where oh, we need that leadership. That's another conversation, Tony. Yeah, we're broken a little bit, but, you know, we're trying to, you know. People are trying. Yeah, we're trying know. to get there. Like I tell people, I fight the battles that I can fight. I'm a ground war soldier. I'm not a frontline soldier that's all in the front mm-hmm, line with the mm-hmm. politics. I'm a ground worker, so I'm right there, you know, with the teachers, right there with controlling what I can control and helping what I can help. That. And you can definitely see that. So, you know, on that note, if you're out there listening and you connect with Shamila's word, uh, I encourage you to reach out to her. You can do so by filling out the form on the website and she'll get that directly in her email inbox. So, Shamila, thank you so much. For thank you, Tony. This was great. A lot of fun. Yes, it was. Yes, I appreciate it. No, can't wait for the next one. Absolutely.